0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's word. All right. Cell phones on silent. Let's focus in here that I have taken the last month to combat this problem that I've been hearing. I hate hearing it. I dislike it completely. When I hear people say, Pastor, I, I want to be used, I want to do something for the Lord, but he could not use somebody like me. Or you, they hear a message and they say, God wants to use you, God has a plan for you, God has a purpose for you. And do you realize that, I, I, I've heard people say, well, you know, who are, who are these saints that sit up here? <laughs> That's a question that I got about two months ago. Who are the saints that sit up here? I'm like, you're talking about the choir? I'm like, those are the people, you know when you get in trouble in school and your teacher makes you sit up front? Those are the people that I sit there just so I can keep an eye on them. They are not saints. They just, no, they know how to sing. That's, that's what it is. They know how to, you know, how some people can carry a tune in the bucket. They found the bucket and so they're up here. But people ask, oh, I, I don't think I could ever do something like that. Do you think the Lord could ever use me for something like that? Absolutely, yes, he can. If you know how to sing. <laughs> or you talk to somebody, you say, hey, we want you to get involved in the church. We want you to be an usher. Oh no, I could never do that. I'm very unworthy of that. I'm so tired of hearing it. Because it's a lie that's straight from the devil. And there's a bunch of people who are paralyzed in their service for the Lord because they've bought into the devil's lie that they're unworthy. That they're unworthy to be used. Do you know what makes a lie effective? You wrap it in a little truth. The the devil is a master counterfeiter. You know that? Okay, so God is white, Satan is? No. No. See, but that's what we answer. That's what we answer. God is good, Satan is? Bingo. Who said it? Miss Christine. We always say, God is good, Satan is bad. And he is, he is. Okay, I'm not saying that Satan isn't bad. But what I'm talking about is his expertise. God is good, Satan's almost good. God is light. Satan's almost light. God is white. Satan's off white. You know, the Bible says that he, he can transform himself into an angel of light. And Satan does not find his power in taking everything that God does and doing the opposite. He finds everything that God does and he does it to the best of his ability. But he can't get quite there. But that's a counterfeit. That's a counterfeit. How do you get people to buy into a counterfeit, Brother Ken, by making it look opposite of the real thing or by making it look as close to the real thing as you can? I used to work in a bank, and we would handle a lot of money. And it's incredible. You would, it would, I would not find counterfeits by looking at them because they, they looked exactly like the real thing. But something would feel off. And the, more and, and the more and more you get to know real money, Brother Ben, the more you get to know what's real, the quicker you can spot a fake. So what I'm telling you, church, is the devil has a lot of you convinced because he's wrapped a lie in a half-truth. And, and here is the lie. God doesn't want anything to do with you. That's a lie. Here's the lie. God can't use you. That's a lie. Are you alive? God can use you. Here's the thing, God won't use you. That's, that's another lie. That is lie. Here's the truth, because you're unworthy. You are unworthy. Okay? You are unworthy. And that's what I've been trying to bring out this past month. Yes, you are unworthy, but week one, you're not unwanted. Yes, you are unworthy, but you're not undone. You're still here. There, there must, if God was done with you, you would not be here. You are unworthy. Don't be unholy. Don't be unholy. God can't use an unholy vessel. You are unworthy. Don't be unwilling. Lord, if you can use this, use it in any way you can. That little boy that walked up to the Lord with 15,000 people around him. Lord, I don't have much, but I've got five loaves and two fishes. And if you can use that to feed Peter... Use it. And the Lord used it to feed everybody. All you have is all he needs. Okay? All you have is all he needs. All that you have in your hands, deficiency. All that you have in God's hands, sufficiency. But the lie of the devil is God can't, God won't have anything to do with you. Truth, because you're unworthy. And I'm trying to combat that. And what I want to show you this morning is I am unworthy, and you are unworthy, but I'm not unwanted, and I'm not unwilling, and I've been waiting to get to this one. I'm not unhappy, and there's a really good reason why, okay? Now, if you have not been here for the previous month, I'm going to do a review previously at Heritage Baptist Church, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let's stand once we found it, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I don't know if you notice, but people smile here, and we laugh here. I don't like going to church, and it feels like a funeral. Who who died? Why why do we go to church and act like God is dead? I, I don't like it. You know, we we don't we don't jam out here. We don't have you know all the crazy lights and the smoke machines and everything. We we don't do that. A lot of people would say that singing hymns is boring. And trust me, I've been to churches where singing hymns was just awful. Where I would rather gnaw off my leg with a dull number two pencil, honestly. I don't think we're dead here. I I like singing in this way. You know why? Because God is alive. We're happy because God's alive and God has changed us. And we're just talking about earth. We're even. okay, I'm getting ahead, I'm getting ahead, here we go. Chapter four, verse six, look at what the Bible says of 2 Corinthians chapter four, verse six. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, you remember that, right? It was kind of a big deal. He said, let there be light and there was light. This same God has shined another light, in verse six, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, question. Did he shine in our hearts to give us the light? Or did he shine in our hearts so that we could give the light to others? Both, both. Christ said, I am the light of the world. But then he says in John chapter eight, I am the light of the world. He says in Matthew chapter five, ye are the light of the world. So we are saved when we are born again. God puts the light of the glorious gospel of Christ in your heart to show you who Jesus is so that you can show others who Jesus is. Verse seven, but we have a transition here. Verse six is really good news. Verse seven, but there is a catch. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Our bodies are fragile, not the greatest carrier of the gospel. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I'll explain that in a little bit. But notice this contrast. He, He starts saying some bad things, but he always follows it up with a good thing. And in fact, the good thing can only come because of the bad thing. Watch this. Here's bad, we are troubled on every side. Yet, not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live always are delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. He's going bad, good, bad, good, bad, good. Verse 13, we having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. He's quoting Psalm 116. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. But though our inward man perish, yet the, uh, I'm sorry, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction, And he's calling back to the trouble, the perplexing, the persecution, the casting down. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. See, he seems a little ridiculous when he talks about our life and the casting down and the perplexing, the persecution. And he says those are light afflictions. They don't feel light when you're in them. They don't feel light when you're going through them. When you're surrounded and when you're confused and when you're attacked and when you're even, it feels like the devil has his hand around your neck and that doesn't feel light. But wait, our perspective is off. Our perspective is off. See, all of those things are temporal. This, this right here is not our home. We need to look at the things that are eternal. And when you look at eternity, 70 years on earth is a drop in the bucket, friend. And even if we spend every single moment of every day in hardship in this life, it can't compare to eternity. Look in verse 1 of chapter 5. For we know that if our earthly house, hey, he's calling back to our earthen vessel, right? We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, if we died, we have a building of God in house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Dear Lord, please bless, this, bless the preaching of your word. Help us to, to be illuminated by your Holy Spirit so that we can learn this and be happy today as we leave. Save the soul that is here, that is on their way to hell. Revive backsliders, call prodigals home. Glorify your name and strengthen the Christian. We ask this in your name, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. Okay, so much to go through. The devil says, you think God would use you. You think God would use somebody like you. You're a drunk, or you were a drunk. Or he says, you have a past. Uh, After all of those blasphemous jokes that you told, you think God is going to use you. You think God could use you. What about all those mistakes that you made in the past? What about the violent past that you have? What about your filthy mind? You think God is going to use somebody who's filled their mind with the shows that you watch and the movies that you watched and the music that you listen to? You think God would use somebody like you? And even if he would, you think he could? That's what the devil says. You think that God could or would use somebody who has fallen over and over and over? And welcome to a church filled with imperfect people. Have we not fallen over and over and over? I I don't like it when people say God is a God of second chances. He is so much more than that. He's a God of a hundredth chances. He's a God of a thousandth chances. He's a God that says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the devil is very convincing. It's a very piercing question. You think God would use somebody like you? You think God could use somebody like you. And I just so happen to like Paul's mindset in this passage. It lifts me back up on my feet when the devil knocks me down. There is no greater weapon against the lies of Satan than the truth of God. And here is, if, if, I'm going to try to put all of those verses in just a, a, a statement, okay? And that's the message. The message is the statement, and we'll break it down. But here's Paul's mindset, and I like it. I really like it. When the devil comes and says, God wouldn't use you because you're unworthy. God couldn't use you because you're unworthy. He says, This we are unworthy. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We are unworthy. But there are reasons why God uses unworthy people to accomplish his tasks. It's not always easy, but it's always worth it. And it's worth it in this life, and it will certainly be worth it in the next. So here's all we're going to do. We're going to break down, there's six statements that I made right there. Six kind of movements to his argument, to his mindset, and I just want to bring that out. When the devil says God couldn't or God wouldn't use you because you are unworthy, here's his first response. We are unworthy. Thank you, Captain Obvious. We are unworthy. God has never used somebody who was worthy. We are unworthy. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Does it make sense, Brother Cody? You're not a very artistic person. Who's Who likes art? Does anyone like art in here? Yeah, yeah, okay. Does it make sense? You're all nerds, by the way. Um, <laughs> How many of you like Bob Ross? You like Bob Ross. You don't like art, but you like Bob Ross. Every now and then you're flipping through and you see that guy and you're just drawn to him like a bug to the flame. You're like, I do like happy little bushes for some reason, (laughs) and the next thing you know, like I've been here for three days. I don't understand what's happened. The kids haven't been fed, the dog's dead, but I have learned, okay, anyways. Okay, do you know where all of the Bob Ross paintings are except for a handful? A handful are in the Smithsonian. But do you know where the rest of the Bob Ross paintings are? They're in boxes in a warehouse in, I think, in like Pittsburgh or something. OK, does that make sense? Does that make sense? And you know why? Because Bob said, I, didn't want, I don't want any of my paintings in museums, and I definitely don't want them sold. And here's, here's what he did. He painted one before the show, and then he painted one during the show. And then he painted one after the show for the lady who discovered him. So there are three versions of all of his paintings. And all but about five of them are sitting in, a, in boxes in a warehouse. Billionaires have said, I will pay. Here's a blank check. Give me one. And they say no. Does that make any sense to you? Does it make any sense to you? OK. So you are artistic people. Does it make sense to put the Mona Lisa in a storage container? No. And even those of you who aren't artistic. Uh, th- no, that doesn't make any sense. Would it make sense to take the crown jewels and put them in a filing cabinet? No. Would it make sense to take the Constitution of the United States, it's still there. I know we don't follow it anymore, but it's still there. Would it, would it make sense to put the Constitution of the United States in a manila folder in Grandmama's basement? Does it make sense to take the gospel of Jesus Christ, to take the news that God tabernacled among men, that God dwelt among men, that God became flesh, and he died, and he was buried, and he rose, and he changed the world, never having left a 40-mile by 80-mile country. He changed the world. I don't, I'm atheist. No, you're not. But, but even if you, give me proof that Jesus lived and died and rose again. What year is it? Well, no, what year is it? 20, who said 2024? I wish it was 2024. 2023, a D, the year of our Lord, Anno Domini. Hmm. <laughs> we, we run our calendars by him, people. Okay? He changed the world. Does it make sense to take that story and give it to a sinner? To take that light and shine it in your heart so that you can shine it to other people. You know, God can use anything. He's used a donkey. He's used rocks. He, he, he could use a lot of things better than you and I. A lot of things more worthy than you and I. I would say the gospel is such a glorious message, he should have written it in the stars. Wouldn't it have been amazing? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I'd say that would be a worthy, message board, but he took the gospel and he put it in you. He put it in thieves, in murderers, in immoral, lazy, proud people. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We are incredibly unworthy. The moment you think you're worthy is the moment you're in trouble. We are incredibly unworthy. But, but, there are reasons why God uses unworthy people to accomplish his tasks. There's a heavenly reason, and there's an earthly reason. Let me explain the heavenly reason first. When I look in the Bible, I see murderers who became spiritual leaders. I see prostitutes who became Christian mothers. The great, 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 great ancestors of Jesus Christ himself, prostitutes and harlots. When I look in the Bible, I see perverted men who became ancestors of Christ. One of the ancestors is named Judah. And the child that God brought Jesus through, Judah had with his daughter-in-law. When I look in the Bible, I see quitters who became writers of scripture. I see liars and thieves and uneducated fishermen that became apostles. The very man who wrote the passage that we just read was a blasphemer and a torturer and a murderer of Christians. When I look in this room, you know what I see? I see drunks who became Sunday school teachers better not be drunk still. <laughs> I see people, I see gang members who are greeters. You're wondering, who is it? <laughs> I'm telling you guys, you better, you better be careful. So, somebody, somebody asked the other day, what if we have an active shooter in this church? My answer was, if any active shooter comes in here, we've got 10 men down outside. We got plenty of people. We've got men in here who can kill you with their thumb. We've got ladies in here who can also kill you with that man's thumb. (laughs) My dad was a gang member in Chicago. Dad, could you stand? Dad, could you stand? (laughs) You'd never know it. He was a gang member in Chicago. There's a situation in his life, he could have been in prison for a very long time, and God protected him. He's a greeter, he's an usher. I see people who have been through hell on earth, and they're singing in the choir. Who are the saints up here? (laughs) No, no, who are the people whose lives have been changed by Jesus Christ, who are sitting up here and singing. Who are the people who used to be listening to the devil's music that are now singing how sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives, but greater still the calm assurance this child can face on certain days because Jesus lives. That's what I see when I look out in this room. I see soldiers, who have seen a lot and been through a lot, that are now heads of security. I see people who have been damaged, that are now some of the greatest witnesses for Christ in this church. So what's my point? What a savior. What a savior who can take somebody so unworthy and use them to accomplish something so incredible as to accomplish his work. The heavenly reason why God uses unworthy people is so that he gets all the glory. It's so that people say, oh, what a great choir member. No, what a great savior I have. No, it's not what great ushers. No, not what great nursery workers. Oh, what great people. No, we are unworthy nothings. But Jesus reached down into the pit of sin where we were and made us into something usable. What a Savior that we serve. And don't you ever lose that, church. Don't you ever lose that. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. When you walk into a church and it's a museum and everyone's looking down their pharisaical nose at everybody else, do you sin the way we do? Church, never forget where you were or where you'd be if Jesus Christ didn't save unworthy sinners. There's a heavenly reason so that he gets all the glory, but there's an earthly reason too. The very things that make you unworthy are the, okay. The very things that make you unworthy to be used are the same things that make you effective when you are used. Now let me illustrate. Stay with me. If you want to help somebody who's going through cancer, do you know the person who can best help that somebody who's going through cancer? Find somebody who's been through it. Find somebody who beat cancer to tell them you can make it through this. Now look. I don't like the fact that that person who beat cancer went through cancer, but because they went through and they came out on the other side, now there is nobody who can help other people more. So do you want to know who can help somebody who's struggling with alcohol more than anybody else? Somebody who used to struggle with alcohol but find forgiveness and and found forgiveness and victory through Jesus Christ. Right. Do you want to find somebody to... There is nobody who can help a bitter person more than somebody who used to be bitter, but found out how to forgive and move on through Jesus Christ. There's nobody who can help somebody who has fallen more than somebody else who's fallen themselves, but found out they could be forgiven and they could move on and God still had a future for those who had a past. There is nobody who can help somebody who is abused, more than somebody who's also been abused, but they came through and find out we're still worth something to Jesus Christ. We're still worth a lot to Jesus Christ. There is nobody who can help somebody with a mouth, more than someone who used to have a mouth, but they got cleaned up through Jesus Christ. There is nobody who can help somebody who's away from God more than somebody who used to be away from God, but found out that Jesus' arms were still open and welcoming when they came back. The very things that make you unworthy to be used are the same things that make you effective when you are used. Now wait a second, wait, I'm not excusing those sins. I'm not excusing bitterness, I'm not excusing drunkenness, I'm not excusing addiction, I'm not excusing falling, I'm not excusing uh, a a mouth. or or being away from God. I'm not telling you that those sins are okay. I'm telling you that those sins are horrible, but I know a savior who is powerful enough to take something horrible and use it for good. I'm not telling people who have never committed those sins, oh, just go off and, and, and do it. You'll be more usable. No, 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 no. The fact of the matter is God can use somebody who is clean. God can use somebody who has always kept their life clean A lot more than somebody who has messed it up. But just because you've messed it up doesn't mean that God can't use you. I am not telling you if you haven't committed those sins, go off and commit them. I'm telling you if you have committed those sins, there is still a Savior who wants to use you if you repent. And you know what? The devil hates that. The devil hates that because he knows how much God can use you because of all that you've come through. There are some people, guys, I've never tasted alcohol in my life. I I gargle with Listerine and that's it. I've never tasted alcohol. So if somebody comes up to me and says, Pastor Johnny, I'm struggling with alcohol. I can't help them. I can show them what the Bible says, but I do not know what that is like. I don't know what it's like, but I know plenty of people in here who do. And I say, hey. Look around. There's plenty of people who used to struggle with that. You talk to them. And the devil hates that. He hates it. He hates it. it. That's why he does all he can to keep you down when you fall. Because he knows that God can take somebody with a horrible past and give them an incredible future. And that's why he tells you, don't even try. God can't use you. God won't use you. Because you're unworthy. Listen, you are unworthy. But there are reasons why God uses unworthy people to accomplish his work. First of all, he gets all the glory. And second of all, there is nobody who can help somebody who has fallen more than somebody who has fallen also but found victory and value in Jesus Christ. Do you want to convince an earthen vessel that they can be used? Show them another earthen vessel that's being used. You go to 1 First, uh, First Timothy. And Paul says this, God showed me mercy and I was the greatest sinner in the world. He said, I was the greatest sinner in the world and God showed me mercy so that you, when you looked at me, could say, well, if God could forgive you, he can certainly forgive me. That's what Paul said. God used me for the specific purpose for Jesus to say, if I can save the greatest sinner in the world, I can save you. And friend, let me tell you this. I'm nobody. I am an unworthy little punk kid from Chicago, Illinois. If God can use me, he can use you. Amen. Oh, but you don't know what I've done. Friend, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've thought. You don't know where I've been. You have absolutely no clue. But we have a Savior that uses people right. who will just be willing to be used. Right. There are reasons why he uses unworthy people. Now, it's not always easy. It's not always easy being an unworthy vessel carrying such a treasure. And the devil makes sure it's not easy. He will trouble you on every side. He will perplex you. He will persecute you. And when he can, he will get his hands on you and he will cast you down. Now, wait a second. Wait, 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 I just have a question for you. Does it seem a little confusing that the same devil that is telling you you can't be used of God is the same devil that is doing everything he can to destroy you. Are we tracking? Are we following? Okay, if the devil is so convinced that God can't use your vessel, why is he doing everything he can to destroy your vessel? It seems to me that if God couldn't use you, the devil would leave you alone. He's lying to you. If he's telling the truth, God can't use you, then why is the devil wasting his time troubling you on every side? Why is he wasting his time perplexing you and persecuting you and casting you down if God cannot use you? My argument is that he knows God can use you and that's why he is troubling you and perplexing you and persecuting you and casting you down. Further, I would argue, oh, this is going to be hard to explain. What does the Bible say? We're troubled on every side yet, not distressed. We are perplexed, yet not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. And who's the one who doesn't forsake us? God doesn't forsake us. And we are cast down, but not destroyed. So I would make the argument, the reason the devil is troubling you and perplexing you and persecuting you and casting you down is because he knows God can use you still. I would argue further That the very reason that you are troubled on every side and yet not in despair and perplexed but yet not distressed, or flip those two, persecuted but not forsaken and cast down but not destroyed, I would argue that is because God does plan to use you. Because there's absolutely no reason why an earthen vessel that's troubled on every side should not be distressed. There's no reason why somebody who is perplexed should not be in despair. There's there's no reason why somebody who is persecuted should not be forsaken and cast down, should not be destroyed. It must be because God does plan to use you. There's no other explanation to, to why an earthen vessel survives the attacks of Satan other than God is protecting me and he's protecting me because he wants to use me. And that's when we have the most influence on the world. When the world sees a vessel that has been attacked over and over and over and yet sustained throughout it all, the world is going to look at you and say, what's different? What is different? Because when I go through trouble, I am in distress. The world is going to say, when I'm perplexed, I am in despair. You ever been to a funeral of somebody and they don't know Christ? It's horrible, wailing, crawling into the casket, trying to bring them out. There's no hope, there's no hope. And then they see a Christian funeral and people are smiling, people are laughing, people are singing, people are, because it's not a funeral, it's a graduation service. If if Christianity is true, people don't die, they just move. And they're going to wonder, what's different about you? And at that point, you tell them about a Savior who can take an earthen vessel and use it for his glory. Tell them about a Savior who loves and forgives and saves and uses unworthy people. I haven't even gotten to the part that I want to get to. Okay. It's not always easy, but it's always worth it. And I'm going to skip that whole point and just go to the next one for sake of time. It's worth it in this life. It's worth it in this life because through the death that we face, we're able to show forth the life of Jesus Christ. How did Jesus show that he was stronger than Satan? By dying and rising up again. How do we show that our savior is stronger than a troubling and perplexing and persecuting and casting down devil. How do we show that our savior is stronger? By by going through the trouble and going through the perplexing and going through the persecution and going through the casting down and yet being sustained by a Christ who is stronger than Satan. Amen. Death worketh in us, but life in you. And it's always worth it. I don't like being troubled, I don't like being perplexed, I don't like being persecuted, and I certainly don't like being cast down. But I do like the fact that through it all, the Lord has sustained me and allowed me to use what I've been through to tell others about a savior who can help them through their trouble and help them through their perplexing and their persecution and their casting down. And isn't it worth it when somebody who is in darkness sees? Wait a second, you mean it has nothing to do with me? Wait a second, you mean God can use me and God still loves me? Yes. Isn't it worth it when the blind receive their sight? Have you ever caught yourself looking back in the Bible and saying, man, I wish we could perform miracles like the, like the apostles? I wish we could go up to blind people and just, you know, that's nothing giving a blind person their sight is nothing compared to the power that a soul winner has I'm turning Italian today have you noticed that (laughs) that is that is nothing rise up and walk that is nothing compared to the power that a soul winner has finding somebody who is dead in sin and having that person come alive again in Jesus Christ that's a miracle that is a miracle. And it's, it's not only a miracle because that dead person has come to life again. It's a miracle that God used you Amen. to do it. He could have thrown it in the stars. He could have put it in the oceans. He could have a whale sprout wings and fly over the United States speaking every dialect Jesus saves. But he uses you in order to do it after all you've done and after all you've been through. God uses you you to bring life and light to a sinner. It's worth it, it's worth it. It's wor- if just one more soul were to walk down the aisle, it'd be worth every struggle, it'd be worth every mile. A lifetime of labor is still worth it all if it rescues just one more soul. But it's especially worth it in the next life. And this is really where I wanna get. This is why I'm not unhappy. You know, if I didn't know Jesus, this life would be the only heaven I'd ever know. And if this is the only heaven I ever knew, kill me now. Thanks to Jesus Christ, this is the only hell I'll ever know. If you don't know Jesus, this will be the only heaven you ever know. Because heaven is access to God's presence. If you are saved, this is the only hell you'll ever know because hell is the absence of God's presence. Right. But get this, get this, get this, get this. The devil tells me that I'm unworthy to be used on this earth. That's, that's his argument. He never shuts up about it. God can't use you, you're unworthy. God won't use you, you're unworthy. blah, 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 blah. Okay, he's worried about me being unworthy to be used on this earth, Devil, forget this earth. You're worried about what God wants to use me for on earth? Do you have any idea what he has planned for me in heaven? I don't think you're following. The devil is saying, God can't use you on earth. You're unworthy of that. We're talking about earth? being unworthy of what's happening on earth? What about what's gonna happen in heaven? Unworthy to be used. That's your argument. Do you realize one day, Brother John, this wicked, deceitful, proud sinner is going to walk and talk with Jesus Christ on golden streets? Do you realize one day, this wicked sinner, Brother Danny, I'm gonna climb the tree of life. There's probably a sign that says, do not climb. Uh, yeah, oh, you can't sin. There is no sign. There is no sign, and I'm gonna climb it. And there's 12 different manners of fruits, and I'm gonna sit up on the top, and I'm gonna take apples, and I'm gonna chuck it at each, and every one of you. Do you realize this sinner is going to, there's going to be mansions and I'm going to be able to go in and out. There's, there's gates made of pearl and there's a river of water of life and the devil, is a, the devil is worried about what God wants to do with me on earth because I'm unworthy. Does the devil have any clue, clue what the Lord has prepared for me in heaven? You know what I go through here? I'm troubled on every side. Okay, I'm surrounded, I'm outnumbered. You know what's gonna happen in heaven? We're the majority. I've been a minority my whole life. Not in heaven. We're gonna be in the majority, no more trouble. No more trouble. Surrounded by believers. You don't have to get excited, I'll get excited. Here, we're perplexed. Are we not, Brother Victor? We are perplexed, we're confused, we're uncertain, We wake up and we think, no clue, no clue. I have no idea what I'm doing. I want you to put that on my tombstone. He had no idea what he was doing. I I live a perplexed life. Up there, we're gonna know. We're gonna know. We're gonna know everything. We're gonna know why. I got a question the other day from, it looked like a child. Why mosquitoes, Pastor? (laughs) We're gonna know. We're gonna know it all. No more perplexing. We're gonna see it all. We're gonna understand it all. Here, we're persecuted. We're attacked, we're chased, we're targeted. There, victory, rest, no more battle. Now here's one. Here, I'm cast down. You know why I'm cast down? Because I sin, I do stupid stuff. I mess up and I fall over and over and over and over again. There, no more sin. No more sin, no more curse, no more desire for that. Only serving and ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ. You want to talk about being unworthy? Let's, let's not talk about a sinner being used on earth. Let's talk about a sinner walking in heaven. If we're going to talk about being unworthy here. Oh, we are unworthy. But we're not unhappy. We're not unhappy. Because one day all of this is going to be done. You know, for my entire life, I was selfish. And I told myself, when I get to heaven, I'm going straight to Jesus. And I'm going to hold him and he's going to hold me. For years. And y'all can wait. (laughs) You know what I look forward to now, Brother Ben? I want to watch some of you. are dealing with nothing but pain I want to watch Jesus hug you I want to watch some of you who have wept to me across the desk and said pastor I've messed up so bad and I don't know if God can use me anymore I want to watch him hug you and whisper in your ear, I love you. I love you so very much. I wanna watch all of your troubles, all of your pain, all of your burden, all of your questions. I wanna watch all of those melt away in a moment of being in his arms. That's what I wanna see. And that's what awaits for everybody who has believed in Jesus Christ. He said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And he says this, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for them that love him. Have you ever imagined what heaven is like? Do you think there will be like a big theater where we can go in like today showing Red Sea Crossing? (laughs) Right, right? I've thought that too. I'm like today, the the two on the road to Emmaus, like, oh, I've got to see that one. You know, Jim Caviezel is in it. He's in everything. And you know what? Here, here's the thing, Miss Sally. We, we think that that would be like the most incredible thing ever, but it's entered into our mind. It's entered into our, our heart, which means if there is that in heaven, it's going to be like the least thing that we're because I have not seen or ear heard neither has entered into the heart of man what God has prepared to them that love him. So you tell the devil to be quiet when he tells you you are unworthy to be used on this earth. Dude, used on this earth? Do you know what Jesus has planned for this sinner in heaven and you're worried about earth? You keep your mouth shut because I know that if God will let me rule with him there, he'll let me serve him here. That's a layup. That's a layup. Are we getting it now? Are we getting it now? So, the next time the devil tells you you're unworthy, here's what you tell him We are unworthy. Thank you. Nothing new. We are unworthy. We're not unwanted. We're not unholy. We're not unwilling. We're not undone. And we're not unhappy. Because there's a reason why God uses unworthy people. There are heavenly reasons so that he gets all the glory. There are earthly reasons. You know, devil, I don't know what you can do, but I serve a savior who is able to take really bad stuff and make something good out of it. So I know that if you were God, I'd be done, but you're not God. Jesus is God. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee, Go and sin no more and let me use you. There are reasons why he uses unworthy people. Not always easy. Always worth it. It's worth it when we see a soul come to, to the Lord. And it's certainly worth it when we think of what the Lord has planned for us in heaven. If you don't know you're going to heaven, you need this Savior. You need this Savior. You don't need religion. You need a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that relationship doesn't start on your terms. You're going to say, all right, God, you can save me now. All right, God, I'm ready. Here are my conditions. He says this, you humble yourself and you take your faith off of you. You take your faith off of your church. You take your faith off of everything and you put your faith in me. You want to come to the father? No man cometh to the father, but by me and swallow your pride just for a little bit, and stop complicating things just for a little bit, human, okay? We're really good at that. Just just swallow your pride for a little bit and stop complicating things. Wouldn't it be incredible news if the salvation of your soul was simply based on a Savior and not on you? And that is what it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him, believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. I think I've said all that I can say about this. The next time the devil comes and tells you you're unworthy, you laugh, and you tell him, yeah, I sure am. And you're just talking about earth. You wait until heaven. But I'll tell you what, even though I'm unworthy, I'm not unwanted, and I'm not undone, and I'm not unhappy. I'm certainly not unwilling. God can use you, friend, and he will. He will if you let him. You just got to do the letting, okay? Just do the letting. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.